You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about movies, music, toys, pop culture, and all manner of dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and I am not currently being chased by police. What you hear in the background is the classic Arnold Schwarzenegger film, The Terminator. That's right, I'm watching Michael Bean drive Linda Hamilton through the streets of L.A. at high speeds, trying to escape from the murderous cyborg Arnold Schwarzenegger. Terminator's an infiltration unit. Part man, part machine. Underneath, it's a hyper-alloy combat chassis. Microprocessor control. Fully armored. Very tough. But outside, it's living human tissue. Flesh, skin, hair, blood grown for the cyborgs. That's right. If you heard that, and I'll find out if that's any good to use or not. If not, I'll just cut it out. Uh, welcome to the show. You can find the Needless Things podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, and most importantly, at NeedlessThingsSite.com. That is the home of the Needless Things podcast, and where you can find not only the podcast to download or stream, but five days a week, we have a cast of writers. I call them a cast because they're all sort of characters unto themselves. I don't think of them as my crew, uh, except for when I do. Uh, We have a whole cast of writers providing articles from various points of view about pop culture history. Uh, And, of course, I do some toy reviews. Uh, It's a fun site, and we're maybe going to a little more than just five posts a week. Uh, Every once in a while, a little something extra will get in in there. This past Friday, I posted my review of the new Fantastic Four movie. (laughs) Uh, It's not good. I'll tell you that. Well, my review is good. My review is great. It it is so far the most shared and uh, most feedback, uh, most viewed in shortest amount of time. People like it. People like my review. But nobody likes that movie. Oh, boy, what a turd. So you might wonder. Why, Phantom, were we having to sit here and listen to Terminator play in the background of the beginning of the intro? It's because I'm in the midst of a marathon, or I guess I have just started a marathon, of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Now, I shouldn't really need to explain a marathon of Arnold Schwarzenegger science fiction movies, because why would you not do that at any time? But the reason, there's a specific reason, and it's because Dragon Con is right around the corner. That's right. This is the second installment of our Dragon Con 2015 podcast coverage. Second of, good gosh, we're going to have ten by the time this thing is over. Because we have five episodes in the weeks leading up to Dragon Con, including Friday of Con. We will have our final uh, pre-con episode, although it's really during. But anyway, uh, 
And then following Dragon Con, we will have recap episodes. We will have audio from the panels that members of the Needless Things cast uh, are on. So we got a lot of Dragon Con coming your way, and it's all going to be fun. But today, I'm watching The Terminator and Terminator 2 and Running Man and Total Recall. And gosh, I guess at some point I'm going to have to watch Terminator 3. Um, I am on the Schwarzer panel. Now, last time, each time I'm going to promote one of the things that I'm doing. Last time I talked... Uh, about the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show, which is Saturday night at 10 p.m. in the Marriott rooms M303 and M304. And in those very same rooms, but earlier that same day, 11.30 a.m. on Saturday, the Schwarzer panel is happening, which is the science fiction movies of Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's going to be a lot of fun. All of the classic track panels are fun. I highly recommend them. It is the most enjoyable track at Dragon Con. Uh, and it is in... Uh, most of the track stuff is in the Marriott on the marquee level, rooms M303 and 304 behind the FedEx office. Any At any time during the weekend, you can go to that room and you will be entertained. I guarantee it. We just... We have fun. It's all interactive... Uh, it, it's just, it's a good time and I highly recommend you check it out. I'm not saying you have to camp out in there all weekend long. I'm just saying you're going to be in the Marriott a lot. It's the central hotel. And if you're on that marquee level and you're like, Oh, what do we do? We got a couple hours with nothing to do, which granted, I understand that's not likely to happen at Dragon Con. But if you find yourself in that situation, go to that room, hang out, have fun. If you see me, the guy with the big purple wrestling mask, uh, say hi please, and uh, then buy me a beer, or bring me a beer in the first place. Just bring beers to that room. You can't drink in the room, but, you know, I'll I'll, I'll stick it away and save it for later. Um, but anyway, all Dragon Con for a while here on Needless Things. I'm very excited, as you can tell. Okay, so today on the show, I, you know, I'm always excited about our guests. I'm always excited about our topics, but today... A guy that I've gotten to know a little bit over the past few months here, thanks to the magic of social media. I, I'm not, you know, I don't get out. I don't get out to, to, to hang very much. I like hanging out with the family. Uh, I'd like to do stuff here, record for you guys. I'm just, I'm, I'm not a, I'm a homebody. But uh, social media has, has enabled me to expand my relationships. And this gentleman... I have gotten to know thanks to uh, us playing Batman Arkham Knight at the same time and discussing it uh, via messages and whatnot. He came on the episode that we did about Arkham Knight, which I was I was very happy to have him on, and he is back today to tell us about his history with DragonCon. And that gentleman is Mr. Christopher Crispy Lloyd. Uh, I, I don't know why I said Christopher. He goes by Chris. And more than anything, he goes by Crispy. You guys are going to know him as Crispy. But but uh, I, I said Christopher Lloyd but for obvious reasons, I guess. Uh, but anyway, Crispy is he is a sweetheart. He's such a nice guy. Uh, he has been just totally friendly and and uh, had you know we we get along. We were into a lot of the same stuff, and we've we've had fun talking. Our mutual friend Bo, who is also on the podcast, I'm so happy to have Mr. Bo Brown back on, and uh, more more about that in a minute. But today we have a great conversation with Crispy. It didn't 
end up being quite as interviewee as I wanted because I really wanted to get more into his history with Dragon Con and and his his uh, his journey from intern to guy with the microphone in front of the camera on Dragon Con TV and we did we do cover that sufficiently I feel like but in the middle uh, unfortunately the conversation got turned to me a little bit and if you give me an opening to talk about me I'm gonna take it I'm sorry it's it's what I do uh, so I, I you know and it's still fun I mean it's all three of us talking about Dragon Con so it's good stuff but but I felt kind of bad because we it didn't in in the middle we we kind of got away from our crispy focus a little bit but then it came back around at the end and we had a great time talking uh and and mr bo brown is here so so that's awesome i love having bo on when he's available and we did a double shot uh this night with crispy and then bo and i continued recording after crispy checked out to cover the puppetry track and we had a lot of technical difficulties so that one's gonna that, that one's gonna take me a minute that's going to be some editing. I've got about 15 different audio files I've got to piece together. So we'll see how that goes. But today is crispy. Today you're going to love it. I guarantee it. It's a great time. It's a great talk about an interesting and fun guy. And finally, it's time for some music. That's right. It's Dragon Con Performer Month here on the Needless Things Podcast. I am focusing solely on people who will be performing at Dragon Con. And today's artist, I actually contacted this time, uh, Snoot. I went and checked him out on Facebook. I went and downloaded their newest EP called Tunes, which you can get from snoot.us. And I sent him a message and said, Hey guys, I, I dig your stuff. I'd like to feature you on the show. And they said, Sure. And so now you get to hear a song from Snoot. And I I dig them more now because I listened while I was walking this morning. I listened to the EP. And there's some there's some weird stuff on there, you guys. It's not just uh, the, the kind of rocking, uh, almost punkish stuff you expect from today's track. There's some interesting stuff on there. And I'm really excited about seeing these guys live. I don't have a performance time yet. But, of course... Uh, download your handy dandy Dragon Con app, which they've recently updated. You can get that from iTunes or the Google Play Store and check it out. Add Snoot in there. Find out when they're playing. Go see them. But for right now, here's a track called Rooster Booster. And yes, it is about the energy drink. I am not an energy drink guy, but listening to this song, I want to try some Rooster Booster. And for Dragon Con, I want to try some Rooster Booster with a whole bunch of vodka poured into it, because I hear that's really dangerous. So anyway, I think you'll dig this. Here is Snoot with Rooster Booster.
Welcome to the Needless Things Podcast as part of our Dragon Con series leading up to Dragon Con 2015, which at this point is just a couple of weeks away. We've got all kinds of great stuff, which I probably talked about in the intro. I haven't recorded it yet, so I don't know. But I'm excited tonight for lots and lots of reasons. The first reason is because my sometimes co-host, the lovely Mr. Bo Brown, is here for this show. Welcome, Bo Brown. I'm here, not just here. to talk about He-Man. And, and not, only, not only are you here, but you just gave me the most delightful task of naming random G.I. Joe figures in a pile in a picture. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I appreciate that. You're very welcome. I'm hoping that I can get more of that for you to do. I would, I would love it. I, I only had to look two of them up. I was very proud of myself. I can, I can make two people happy with this quest. <laughs> and that's what you do. Speaking of happy people, speaking of, uh, let's let's just talk about quests here, because mm-hmm. this man is clearly on a quest to dominate the airwaves of Dragon Con. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Crispy from Dragon Con TV, and from just general awesome dorky walks of life. How are you doing tonight, sir? Doing well, doing well. Uh, I finally finished playing Batman, so here I am. I, oh yeah, okay. We can we can take a second for that because I have not completed it. I finished the mines last night, which the mines were giving me hell. Mm-hmm. That was um, oh, dude. Uh, so now I've got the Deathstroke tanks, and I've got a few riddles left, and probably tomorrow, hopefully, I'll finish it. But but boy, there there are some there there are some uh, cheap cheap things in this one. That's true. That's true. But much still. like my life, I mean, let's be honest here. I have cheap, <laughs> cheap shots at my life. Come on, let's take them. Take them all. Damn it, Facebook. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Ah. Uh, so I, I'm very happy to have you on the show. You Thanks. you may not know this. You're kind of a big deal. I don't know this. Thank you. You you are. You're you're the face uh, that we see on so many uh, fronts of Dragon Con TV throughout Dragon Con weekend, uh, and and particularly. Today, you, you brought up, and this is so great because I had not seen this picture before, uh, you just hanging out with your bro, James Gunn, uh, on MTV.com. Yeah, that was that was a fun little thing that happened last year that I can't divulge too much information in public about. Sure, sure. We weren't allowed to interview James Gunn, but I, if I happen to be at the same place at the same time as him, then maybe we could have a nice little conversation. Right. Well, so, I mean, what's uh, going to happen? How how are you guys going to run into each other and not chat a little bit? Exactly. It would have been rude not to. Uh, he, yeah, he's such a swell guy. I feel like I had to introduce myself. There just so happened to be a camera there and hundreds of adoring fans behind us. These things just happen at Dragon Con. And, and actually, that's the literal truth, though. Those things do just happen at Dragon mm-hmm. Con. Not a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. If, if anybody listening... Uh, if you have not been, if you are planning to go, if it's in your future, you owe it to yourself to figure out how to get down here and spend a weekend, if not this year, next year, because there's nothing else like it. Uh, but before we get to Dragon Con, I want to talk a little bit about the man, Crispy. Uh, how did you, what's your background? Like, how did you get behind that microphone? What led you to that? You know, it's it's. I was actually just telling this story to a mutual friend of Bo's and ours last night. It's it's fascinating because this will be a fifteenth ish, sixteenish year of doing this particular convention, and it was my first convention ever. I'd never done a convention before in my life. 
I grew up performing at Renaissance festivals, traveling the Southeast doing Renaissance festivals. So when my other non Ren Fair buddies said, Hey, come try out this Dragon Con thing, I said, Why not? I'll try it. Showed up to uh one of the uh the, the the volunteer meetings to try to figure out, hey, what kind of job can I do? And ended up of all places finding a gig running uh the comic book artist alley. And I did that gig for two years, basically helping the main person run it, like being their right hand person and just rolling with it. And at the same time I have a theater tech background. So I was like, Hey tech ops can I offer some assistance? And of course they're not going to say no. They're now the biggest yeah. department at the convention. Like they're, they're ridiculous. But back then it was just two hotels pre-renovation. It was right. the Centennial Ballroom in the Regency. That was it. Those were our two main ballrooms. Oh, two main ballrooms. That feels weird to say. <laughs> now, now there's like 40 of them. Uh, right, right. Well, now let's, I, I don't want to gloss over the Renaissance Festival stuff. What, what were you doing there? What kind of work were you doing? I was a street performer and sword fighter. I living chess match, improv. I actually my very very first gig. This would have been back in '96, and I was in middle school. Uh, I, I was cast at the Tennessee. I grew up in Tennessee, so this is the Tennessee Renaissance Festival. I was cast as a generic role, you know, Earl's Page, whatever. Just show up, pretend you're British, entertain people. That's basically what the Ren Fair was at the time, and kind of I guess technically is today, but there's a little <laughs> bit more thought in it today. But then, like two weeks before the show. This guy that had a puppet company had uh, someone drop out, and he needed someone to do a, a full-body puppet of Punch and Judy. And me being the tall, six-foot-one, super-skinny kid at the time, uh, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. That sounds fun. So most of my gig at that Ren Fair was being Punch from Punch and Judy and this giant, like, eight-foot-tall, full-body puppet. And it was a blast. And ever since then, I, I, I just got hooked, and I would do anything the Ren Fair would throw my way. So did you kind of just get to, like run around and do everything super exaggerated and oh yeah totally full-on puppet violence and sort of thing yeah. yeah yeah me and the other person he would play judy and we would just beat each other up like it was recommended that like don't spend more than an hour in there i was young and stupid i didn't care i was in shape at the time i like six out of eight hours every day i was <laughs> in that puppet and i i didn't care people would like feed me water there was this one time though um so for those of you who've never been to the tennessee renaissance festival it has a castle. It has a legitimate castle. Mike Freeman built a castle on the property and then said, hey, let's have a Ren Fair around it. And back then, this is actually if the last... If you build it, they <laughs> will Ren Fair. That is the exact mentality. Yeah. And so this was, like I said, back in like uh, 96 um, and uh, 95, 96. And so their castle was just getting started. It was just essentially two white towers. And that was my changing room for punch, but there, there was no curtain or anything. I just had to walk into the floor of the castle. Uh, I would have to crawl. It was basically a hiking backpack, and I crawled out of the stomach. I'm sure Bo is very familiar with what I'm talking about here. <laughs> yep. um, and so this one day, I didn't see this little kid following me. And this is both a terrible and wonderful story. Uh, it was this little child that was just, like, so fascinated with this giant puppet. I would be, too. I totally get it. <laughs> I didn't see him. And so... People hate puppets. Oh what was my, wrong with that kid? It's so weird. And so I'm I'm basically, like, all I have is pants, because it's so hot in there. I'm half naked. And so th- there are two ways to get out of this puppet. I can go down between the legs, like, just... This is how weird fan fiction... <laughs> this is exactly how it's... So, so I, I could have basically gone out the birth canal of this puppet... <laughs> Or I could lift up the shirt and just crawl through the stomach, which is the easier thing to do because I was tall and it was easy. Didn't see this kid here. I'm behind my section, but there's no curtain. And I start climbing out hands first. It's basically like 
this giant puppet that he was following and absolutely loved sat down to, to seemingly take a nap, and this skinny white boy just chest burst out of this puppet out of nowhere. Kid starts screaming, losing his cool, and I'm like, uh, hey, it's awkward, and then kind of like, just, and then his mom comes, and I'm pretty sure that kid's going to be the future president of America. Time will tell. And, <laughs> and this is my introduction. Like, hey, to... Hand me that towel, kid. And let me tell you a story. Ah, <laughs> uh, the good old days. But that, this, yeah. that's kind of what led me, like, like those moments are kind of what led me onto everything else in my life. And it's crazy. That That's really, I couldn't have asked for a better starting point for, for the story. <laughs> uh, Ask and you shall receive. Right? Well, that's what we wanted. Uh, so you get to Dragon Con. Uh, you're helping out initially with the much smaller than it is now technical department. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, that's a beast. Th- this is pre- Dragon Con TV existing at all? This is pre. Uh, what, what at what point did they start? I, I don't know that it was DCTV at first. Th- there was one point where they had sort of common monitors throughout the con mm-hmm. showing so, stuff, but I don't know. I mean, was there a DCTV concept from the beginning? So, so Brian Richardson is the director of videography, and Dragon Con TV is a group of volunteers that it's not. It's not like it's a department at a convention. DragonCon TV is what happens throughout the year. We make funny videos, we produce stuff, and it just happens to be the name of the channel. Videography is the name of the actual department now. Back then, videography didn't exist. And so uh, I I had met Brian after being on staff for a couple of years. Brian was one of the original, I think, eight volunteers for Tech Ops before my time. He got there a couple of years before me. And... What started off is after my first year, like I, I, I found my, 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 my crew of people, my, my like-minded types. And every year after my first year for about four years, we had this TV channel and we didn't know really what to do with it. And so I, I talked with Brian. I would bring just um, buckets upon buckets of DVDs. And we would just play whatever I happened to bring with me. I, I, would like, I would set it up and be like, hey, whoever's sitting here, just put in what you want. And people will watch it, like things like Eddie is dressed to kill, uh, the old uh, Planet of the that, Apes, that, things like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- did, th- you, th- did you did you literally transport the DVDs in buckets? Yeah, yeah. That's the beauty there... of it. Back, this would have been two thousand two to like two thousand five. I had these giant are buckets. The the most like ergonomic. No, no. It's more like those delivery. like plastic little small rectangular tubs. That we would use for hero clicks, and I would have to dump out uh, my hero clicks and put in DVDs. Uh, Still not not good for travel. And every year, like I would bring that and my computer because uh, we originally started in a Centennial Ballroom on the balcony overlooking everything. That was our, the original brain of DragonCon TV, uh, just because that was again the only ballroom at the time. Who? And it just became playing DVDs, DVDs, and like every year when they would pick me up last forgetting that I had all this crap with me to essentially, right. you know, play the channel. Um, that evolved into uh, Brian and a couple other folks originally did an introduction for the Masquerade. I think this is one of the years that we had the MST3K guys. And they just did a simple little introduction, and people responded really well to that. They're like, hey, we're on to something here. Next year we shot three videos uh, one of them we still play in rotation is Stormtroopers Gone Wild. Yes. Uh, and then we have the, uh, the technical college for, uh, learning to be a stormtrooper. And then we also did the, uh, Sunday, 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 uh, big like sale of 
uh, abandoned starships and Serenity had just been, or Firefly had just been canceled previously. So that was kind of like our big nudge to be like, hey, we get it. This sucks. And so that's kind of how it started. Just, hey, we need something to kind of make people laugh. And it has just evolved every year. And now, ironically, you could fit a hundred DVDs on a device the size of your thumb, and you don't need them anymore. No, no, because yeah, because back then we skirted the legality of showing licensed material. Right, right. Yeah, you now know? there there are when you pick up your your Dragon Con, you know, pocket program or in the app or whatever they they you they actually had to put uh, verbiage in about licensed material at con, like not even you guys showing it, but just patrons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's because I mean, you're, I mean, where, you know, those kind of, uh, legal ease come in. It's like, Oh, Hey, they're paying for a ticket for this convention. Yeah. Uh, I mean, anime video rooms always are kind of like ignored and it's just accepted. That kind of happens. I think that's like the one exception where you're going to see licensed video. And honestly, a lot of those guys, they still will email the studio and be like, Hey, I'm running a convention. We have a video room. We want to show XYZ videos. Right. Yeah, they still will go obtain permissions. Uh, and they're, as far as I know, like the only departments that that still do anything like that. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's one of the things. As something grows and becomes as big as Dragon Con has become, you have to start being conscious of that sort of thing. I mean, <laughs> it, it yeah. really does get to the level. Not as many bootlegger tables anymore. No, no, you, which... don't, you won't even see them. Back then, that's all there was. With right. bootlegger tables. And, and They're you know still what? there. I, there were still uh, bootlegger tables last year. Fair, fair. As uh, you know, as I've gotten older, my perspective has changed on that stuff quite a bit. I, I you know, I ten years ago, I wouldn't have given a second thought to buying, uh, you know, a collection of of a cartoon or something like that. But now I'm kind of like, I don't feel comfortable with this. This is somebody somewhere is losing money. I feel like. Uh, that stuff that stuff bugs me in a way that it didn't used to. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. glad it's it's minimized its presence. Yeah, I mean that's one thing to the convention. I, like I like this is kind of like not necessarily towards videography and licensing, but the convention's fairly aware of the social scenarios that are constantly evolving and changing today. And one of those being you know making sure people get paid what they're worth. Well, now, and- I can't speak on behalf of all the vendors, but I've got friends who are vendors, and I've seen the work that they've done to make sure. You know everything. All the all everything's crossed for, for legal documentations, and they they do their best to make sure that everyone's getting what they deserve. Well, and on top of that, I mean, the internet being what it is now, mm-hmm. those those bootlegs aren't the necessity that they once were. No, no. Right. Oh yeah, like I mean, back in the day, I was like, this this bootleg is the only way to watch said weird obscure program in humanoids, the dangerous. Sure. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, but now. You know, it's, it's all some there. of it is out there, some of it's not, and you know, I still kind of feel like, all right, if what I want is not actually available to buy, then I might consider a bootleg. You know, if I can't buy it through legitimate means. Yeah, and that's that, that's usually the common argument I hear, and I kind of agree. I still, like I see both sides of this being involved in the industry, and like I'm with Bo, and that's it's like, well, it's not legally available for purchase, but I really want to see this thing, so we're just gonna not say anything more about this. Right. Right. You know, exactly the nudge, nudge, wink, wink kind of mentality. And but, you know, like now in the last few years, I've been heavily involved with talking with celebrities and not just at Dragon Con, but just like more interactions. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is a pretty important thing here. You know, maintaining these rights. And that's what it boils down to. 
Now, before we get into uh, some of the the interview stuff that you've done, the, this is here, here's where I come from as an interviewer. Here's where my skill is really going to shine through. The question I've wanted to ask you for for years now is, how in the world do you tolerate being out in the sun calling the parade every year? Man, so I actually <laughs> so. Again, I changed and evolved. Uh, uh, before we started this past year, in twenty this is twenty fifteen. So in twenty fourteen, it was the first year we ever did live broadcast. And by the way, that, kudos for that coming off as well as yeah, it did. We, that was a secret we couldn't really talk about. I had been pushing hard for it. Brian had already had the idea. Uh, we finally had Rachel at the top. You know, our co con chair. She was very receptive to it and under, and understood that it's not just a production event. We're getting people off the streets. We're keeping people in the rooms. And, but we didn't want to announce it and be like, hey, everybody, live parade, and have it fail, and then we get yelled at. You said the parade was going to be live. Right. So we kind of quietly launched it, hoping people would realize. And uh, Ali announced it on the, on the Late Show, and, and it went off so well. But then there were the three of us in these sport, jo- these sport jackets, <laughs> and it was beautiful. The Late Show uh, came mm. first. Uh, uh, did they do a 9 o'clock in the morning show? Uh, a little bit earlier, and um, that day, and then the sun was nowhere to be seen for them. But as the three of us get into our ridiculous world of sports jackets, uh, we're getting ready. Here comes the sun over the hotel, mm-hmm. and we're like, "Well, so it begins." And so we've already talked about ways to kind of uh, conquer that this year. Maybe dressing like the three amigos, so we have the sombreros walking yes. the sun. You know, who knows? Who knows? We have ideas. But it originally started with just uh, me and Brian. Uh, just sitting on the side of a street with a couple, like one or two people with a camera, just reading off into a microphone, like you couldn't see us or anything like that. And then from there, one one year I got bored, and I've got a puppet uh, that I call Randall. He looks like a fraggle. And one year I decided to do the parade as Randall. <laughs> and so I brought the puppet with me. And even though you don't really see the puppet because we're off camera, I would still talk in puppet, and I was still you know working with the puppet. Like anytime I, I the puppet talked, the puppet was talking, even though no one could see it on camera. Uh, every now and then, the puppet would just kind of sneak up. and Like, if it was, there was a quiet shot, I would just kind of sneak the puppet up into the camera very creepily, and he would just kind of stare at people for a few seconds. And Brian would have no idea what was going on at the time. And that just kind of evolved into more being interactive with the event itself. I feel like, um, I, I, feel like I remember that and wondering what the hell was going on. Just a random... What puppet. is happening? Yeah, yeah. Was, was, which again is Dragon Con, though, and which yeah. is one, one of the things that's so wonderful about it. Yeah, we, we well, one year uh, before before I started doing the interviews, I actually took Randall on as a as a host to the Late Show every morning, and I'd never done puppetry on TV. Bo can attest that it's not exactly easy, and I had no. never worked on a monitor before ever, and so I'm trying to do monitor work it's on the panel. Hurts. Oh, it's crazy! But it was so much fun, and and like that year, like uh, you know, uh, Leslie Kerr Rudolph happened to be there. And, like, she was really awesome because every time I run into her, she'd be giving me tips on, like, oh, yeah, do this this time and do this this time. Like, super supportive. But but that's just that's just the way Leslie is. Leslie's amazing. But I got so many, like, messages, not necessarily through me, but I would see them on the Facebook feed or uh, even the live journal community at the time because that was still a thing. And people would be like, so I woke up today and there was a Muppet hosting the news this morning. <laughs> that's, that's Dragon Con, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Dragon Con. There was one time I was walking around with the puppet and just walking around, interacting. Puppet was doing his thing. Uh, the puppet had just made out with one of the stars from Eureka. Not a joke. Walked over to karaoke, and they were singing something from Avenue Q. And, of course, I couldn't resist and just jumped on stage with the puppet. 
and started singing along with them. And again, it was like one of those only a dragon con kind of moments. And, and that these kind of like seeing how much people eat up these crazy moments led us to really pushing hard to be like, all right, let's, let's do more with the interviews. Let's, let's do more with the parade. Let's get more interactive with our audience because people really, really like this kind of stuff. Now, aside from punch, what, what is your background with puppetry? Cause I actually wasn't really aware. I, I knew that you and Bo knew each other, I think that was our mutual connection, actually. Actually, it wasn't. Oh, was it not? No, no, no. So you might recall, uh, listeners, if you went to Dragon Con, we had a series of commercials last year. Oh, that's for, right. You were for there. A telethon. Uh, the telethon idea was completely my idea. Love, or, love it or hate it, it was my idea. My idea was, let's get all these nerds together in costumes, and we're going to shoot for six hours, and we can edit out, like, 15 bits and just have instant content. And so me and... Uh, Excuse me. Me and my friend Krista were there, just looking at who showed up in costume and quickly improving bits for each little table to do in the background over whatever dialogue was written. And that's where you and I actually met. That's right. Because you got—I forget what table you got stuck at. I was at the role-playing table with. Uh, uh, I cannot remember his name, but he was in the chainmail, uh-huh. and then Achieving. absolutely hilarious uh, girl was sitting there with us. And let me just tell you. My one one of my as far as my Phantom Troublemaker persona, one of my regrets is that I didn't go bigger for those, and I was just I hadn't done anything like that in such a long time. I just wasn't in the mode. I wasn't like you know I had fun and I did my back, thing. Back since your your old telethon days. Uh, oh my god! Well, well, no, as far as just as far as actually like performing and not right, just right, right. you know doing my my wrestling thing Sitting or there, yeah yeah calling a match or something uh, right right i yeah. so wish i had just gone so much bigger but it it was delightful being there and Pinkie pie and ariel the little mermaid mm-hmm. as far as everybody was amazing but those two were the mvps <laughs> of so that whole thing uh, Christina Pinkie Pie, I've I've known her for a few years. She's wonderful, but the the girl playing Ariel, that's Dina. She's actually a longtime friend of mine, and current roommate. She's she, crying. She was on she was on point with that sketch. Oh my so gosh! We have we have a lot of those online. I'm sure check out the YouTube channel. Yeah, they're uh, all on YouTube and they're all awesome. Yeah, the concept was basically we had standard telethon, someone reading boring boring but geeky dialogue, but then it would cut to the the, the telethon area. And each table had something like had a unique, crazy story. And I believe Ariel was at the table with Bane, and uh, I forget who else. Um, 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 Somebody else who can't talk, right? Yeah, it was right. Rorschach. So they had no no lips, and no one could talk. Right. And then so basically, she was just choking to death on camera, and it was terrible. But we allowed it. She's so frustrated that she can't answer the phone. She keeps she doesn't ever voice because she's human, Ariel. Yeah, and oh, she keeps great. picking up the phone and is just—I mean, <laughs> just radiating frustration. And by the time she was done with her takes, she was literally in tears. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was—it was great. It was, it was one of those things. Like, like I said, we didn't have any ideas. We we sat down with everybody who showed up and like, all right, these would go well together. And then like, it was a moment of brilliance. It's like when we realized, wait, there's these three people essentially. Like, even the Rorschach can talk. It's like. These people don't have like actual speaking voices that you can see on camera. This is going to be awesome, and everyone improv everything. Like we would do maybe like what four or five takes at each table, yeah, and then just move on because it had to be essentially not like guerrilla style theater, but it had to be get in, get out. 
So that same kind of mentality. Because it's not like we get paid for this, and holy crap, that space was hot. Um, but yeah, no, that table, there was just some really good stuff. Uh, your friend Pinkie Pie was at our low-budget Vader table. Yeah. Which was probably my second favorite, honestly. Oh, dude, of, of that, the day. that worked out so well, because when seeing it in person, I was like, I don't know if that phone gag is going to work. But then seeing it at con on TV. It was so terrible. <laughs> but it's the best beautiful. Way it's so good. <laughs> I mean, it was super important that you see the person pulling the string. Like yes. I wanted it, yes. I wanted it as low budget and as public access as possible. And I think, I like to think we exceeded with that shoot. Well, and that's the thing is like the framing of that one is what made it. Cause seeing it in the full room, it was just like, I don't know. But then seeing the framing where it, it's like clearly the hand pulling on it oh my gosh it was good yeah guys seriously listening uh go to the dragon con tv youtube channel watch everything but look for the telethon stuff because we do everything we upload everything at the end of the the convention or even sometimes during the convention so it's probably at this point uh we upload the bumpers last so past the bumpers is usually where all of our live action stuff is but that that was just so much fun and i i it it was great working with you guys and i i really appreciated it Yes. Having an opportunity to come out and do something for Dragon Con. Well, you're becoming a face of Dragon Con yourself, Phantom. You know, you're in the the progress report this year. Yeah, yeah, that Pretty was nice. weird. Who is I, that masked man? I didn't know that was going to happen either because uh, the last that I talked to DCW uh, was I I called matches last year, and they said that was the uh, AJ. One, which I have to mention here, uh, since we're on, the two guys that run DCW, AJ and Tiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, Tiny passed away in March, and I didn't hear about it because we run in, outside of Dragon Con, we run in sort of different wrestling circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, DCW is obviously still happening this year. Uh, there will be a tribute to Tiny because he's the guy that ran the show uh, and I was very honored to get to sit with him, and because he he and AJ normally call the matches, and last year they basically said, "Hey, do you want to call matches?" and stuck me at the table, and I got to work with Tiny, and it was amazing. So cool. It seemed like a lot of fun. Like wrestling, I used to be very very involved with the wrestling because I would help shoot video because I'm a huge mark. Yeah, I'm a huge huge mark. Uh, and I, and for non wrestling fans, that means wrestling fan. Yes. <laughs> and, well, and, and it means all in wrestling fans. Yeah, like like I'm, I'm I'm I totally subscribe to the philosophy. I get that it's terrible at times, and that's okay. Yes, I help run Dragon Con TV. We know terrible. <laughs> uh, and so, like like I used to be super involved with wrestling. I used to help build the ring every year. I would help control the video shoots. Like I'd always be the guy that was being mobile. Like me and my friend Lucas, huge wrestling fans. Uh, I stopped doing it because I just, like now for like the, the Friday just wears me out for my interviews. Yeah. But like that is such a popular event, and it is one of the Dragon Con's biggest events. So to see you be a part of that is is a big freaking deal. I, yeah, I, a huge deal. I the energy in that room is unlike I, I I've been to WrestleMania, and you can't copy Atlanta WrestleMania because that was a really boring show. Well, yeah, that's a good point. That's not a great comparison, but I I've been to tons and tons of wrestling events, and nothing, and I'm not. I'm not saying this because I love Dragon Con. I'm not saying this because you work with because we all work with Dragon Con in some mm-hmm. form or another. Literally, DCW is, is truth is the most energized and exciting wrestling event that I see 
every single year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I can't wait to get back this year. It's going to be exciting. But the literally the where I was starting was or where I was saying literally the last thing I heard was AJ saying, "Hey, it was really great being able to run the show and not having to sit at that table this year." <laughs> I know so you'll be yeah, back next going. year. And that was oh, that's awesome. That was yeah. He but that's the last I talked to them was yeah. after the show last year. He said that to me. That's the last I heard know. from them. And then I'm in the progress report next right. to the. I was like, oh, I guess so, they were serious. Are you going to do the play by play or are you the color commentary? Uh, I I'm I can do either. Uh, Tiny was more of a color guy, so I was kind of uh-huh. trying to do play by play. But and and I'm not. Believe me, I, I'm not tooting my own horn here, but I can do either. Nice, because uh, I, I I can call moves, I can put guys over, I, I can I can do either one. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know what I'm going to do, and I'll find out when I get. Well, there. I can't I can't tell you that that the DCW guys probably had no say in whatever picture that they used in the progress report. <laughs> oh, is that yeah. right? Yeah, they, yeah, they just they, selected public photos. <laughs> Yeah, they just picked. They were like, "Hey, what photos do we have from wrestling?" And they picked you because you looked great. Apparently, I, you know what? I'll um, because, take that probably because you have a luchador mask on. I'll um, take that over anything. Yeah, because they were. They just put like they put just put random pictures for the puppetry track, and no one ever can you know asks me what what picture I want. Oh, that's funny. So I, yeah, they just sort of do whatever. <laughs> so, but but and what's funny is the DCW thing is probably going to be kind of bigger on my eventual dragon con resume Mm -hmm. but of course the game show saturday night is the thing that Uh i put the most effort into so you'll you'll need to tell me about this game show uh last year we hosted uh me are you familiar with lay sexoflex i am uh miss lady flex and i hosted a game show called whose f is it anyway (laughs) it was based around we pulled people out of the audience to be contestants and to read various forms of fan fiction in different ways. Like we had different games that we set up, so they would have to do a speed round, or they would have to do a group. I I rewrote a piece of erotic fan fiction as a play, and we pulled three people out of the audience, and one person was Yoda, one person was Anakin Skywalker, and one person had to be all the like background voices. Mm -hmm. And... uh, so, but anyway, so, so you have, you basically have this big just erotic fan fiction improv event. Yes, exactly. And uh, I, I feel I, like you've just described almost every ring fair I've ever been to. <laughs> I don't know why. Not true at all. Just uh, but we, I, I couldn't have been prouder. But I, I were everything aside from the wrestling. Everything that I do at Dragon Con is with the Sci Fi Classics track. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I dearly love those guys. They embraced me. Immediately. Uh, it was basically, I got on one panel one year, and they put me on five the next year. And then last year, they said, I told them I wanted to do a dirty game show. And they said, 10 o'clock to 6 a.m., the room's yours. <laughs> wow. Which so Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen uh, events like that, like Need More Coffee. I don't know if they still do an event. But like yeah, one of my I, first I couple so. of years, I, I stumbled into one of those all-night game events like that. And those things, like the, the events that you're talking about that you do... Just, just slay. Partly because it's late and everyone has fatigue and everyone's drunk. But on top of that, it's generally entertaining. Well, and, and that and, and that's what you guys bring to the table, which is awesome. What I was so proud of last year is the room. We 
filled the room, standing room, people standing up across the back of the room mm-hmm. and laughing deep, real belly laughs, totally into it. Like You guys I, know how to have fun. I, yeah, I, I guys... couldn't have been more proud of, of what we did. Uh, and this year, we're not doing the same thing because there have, uh, across the con circuit, I guess, there has been some controversy, if you will. Uh, 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 yeah, that was terrible. Uh, um, uh, but a- apparently, there are people in the world that get upset if you poke a little fun at folks that write stories about Optimus Prime fucking My Little Ponies. Yeah. You're not allowed to do that. So, uh, WonderCon is, is actually where this kind of went down. And, and I won't... So, so, a friend of mine is Chris Gore. Okay. And, so, yeah, you know Chris, exactly what I'm talking about. I know. Exa- like, like, he and I are friends. I know exactly what you're talking about and what, what he went through. And I, it's one of those things. I totally see both sides. But it, 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 it's... It's well, one of those things. At the end of the day, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, this is the day. This is the age in which we live now. And and that's exactly right. So and and that's what happened. Is Chris Gore uh, got attacked essentially, and WonderCon said, "You're not doing that." And I am no Chris Gore. I my, yeah, he, he actually volunteered. Like he he stopped the panel. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's, it wasn't like WonderCon said you can do it. He, he was just like, I, "I'm not going to do it." There's too much hate being thrown around from this right now. So you know what? Yeah. I'm just, they, they win, and I'm going to step back and just not do it and find another place to do this, hopefully without all the negative focus. And he was very classy about the way that he handled it. Uh, the the side effect, though, of the way that he handled it was he, he sort of in a way said, yes, I was wrong, uh, and and I don't, I don't have, uh, you know, my career is not this. I don't have the time or the willpower to deal with internet outrage. <laughs> so I don't I don't I don't want to ask for it. So this year we're doing a different game show. Uh it's still dirty. There will still be plenty of as a matter of fact, one of the games is called 10,000 Boner Pyramid. Uh <laughs> all right. I'm I'm going to drop that little nugget for the first time here right now. Bo take notes. Bo yes. take notes. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Bo. <laughs> Well, so, we really wanted to do – that's a great format. The, the only problem with the $10,000 format is that you need, like, like a board. We have it covered. <sighs> All okay, right. Because um, originally a puppet match game was going to be a $10,000 puppet pyramid. I, but I, then it was like, well, who's going to build the pyramid? This, like, <laughs> Bo, you and I have talked in the past, I think, about how much trouble I have with asking people to do things for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year I've gotten over that a little bit. I have good. a good friend who I delegate a, like a maniac, and and that's the point I want to get to because last year Dana and I had a big talk, um, or Miss Lady Flex, uh, as you may know her. We had a big talk about me doing too many things, and mm-hmm. I, I took it to heart. So this year I have a good friend who's a programmer, and he is programming some fancy pants shit for our dirty little game show this year. So. We, well, I do want to point out that uh, if anybody does want to get their making fun of fan fiction fix, uh, that will still be available. Because I think uh, the one time you can make fun of fan fiction is when it's about you. Uh, there will <laughs> yes. be a show. There will be a show in the Puppet Slam um, by Amanda, who was on King of the Nerds, and who was a contestant on Whose F Is It Anyway last year. 
That's right. Now, Amanda was, uh, you know, on a television show, and she'll be doing a puppet dramatization of fan fiction written about her feet that exists on the internet. <laughs> I want to say I'm surprised, Bill. <laughs> I want I want to I want to say these things. She she did a reading of it. She did a reading of it at the O'Neill and it's some pretty pretty amazing stuff. <laughs> so, if you want and and you know what and you know if anybody has any problems with saying, "Oh, you're making fun of these people's art." Well, the people that you're writing the this art of yours about, they are entitled to make fun of you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And uh so if you want to get your fan fiction fix, come on down to the Puppet Slam and watch Amanda's show. Yeah, and well, regardless, go on down to the Puppet Slam. Well, go on down to the Puppet Slam. No B- because yeah. the, you know what, come, obviously Saturday night, come to the game show, it's going to be fun, but my two must-sees now are DCW and the Puppet Slam. Those yeah. to me are the main events of Dragon Con. If I could go, if I if my if my track responsibilities didn't keep me from going, because I I went to DCW one year and I had a great time, um, and I don't even really like wrestling, but, but it's just you, crazy. Yeah, but hanging with the hooligans is so much fun that it doesn't matter. Um, you guys could be watching like you know swans swim in a pond, and <laughs> you guys would find a way to make it fun. That's um, called alcohol. That's the, that that too. Um, but I, you know, I just I can't get away enough in, anymore to go do stuff. So, but uh, well, yeah, I would say those are two super fun events. Oh, you just have to learn how to delegate. And uh, I do. Got, I, delegate, got that covered. I delegate <laughs> great, but I can't. But I can't. <laughs> I can't delegate responsibilities enough. and go drink at DCW. I don't and understand. Then, what and then you're resume saying. responsibilities. <laughs> I don't understand what you're telling me. <laughs> Respectfully, I do, but. It, and it's interesting because that's how, you know, for anybody listening, that and, and I don't want to get too far afield of, of our crispy time, but for anybody listening, the track directors at Dragon Con are literally gods among men. From knowing Bo and what Bo does and what Bo sacrifices mm-hmm. To bring the entertainment at Dragon Con. Those and, track directors work. Like, like I, I, I'm... I do a little bit more behind the scenes and I'm aware of the things and yeah, track directors are MVPs of this convention. It, it's insane. I'm, it, I'm not devaluing everyone else. I'm just saying like, Bo it is, it is like three, are, it is three quarters of a year of work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you really work on it all year except from like, you know, October to December. And then in January, everything starts all over again. Well, and that's knowing, yeah. knowing you and knowing Joe and Gary that runs the sci-fi classics track and just in, because we kind of have to start, thinking about the game show uh, a little differently from other panels that go on. So I start talking to those guys kind of early pitching ideas and stuff. And I know when they start working and it's insane. I mean, you, you guys really do. It it is, there are people with full-time jobs that don't do what you guys do for the Drax at Dragon Con. Well, thank you. And that is a fact. So, But back to Crispy, back to the back movie. to Crispy. That's why I'm here. Yeah, and to support Bo. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I mean, it's what oh. we all do. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Let, there is something about Bo that compels you to support him, help him out, do things for him. Am, am I, think I correct? It's just hobo-like appearance. <laughs> he, yeah, he does look. <laughs> he, he does look a little like. Does he have somewhere to sleep? 
I, I, I just want to make sure he's okay. <laughs> he just looks so tired. I, I that poor rapscallion. I found yeah. my, I found myself unstacking chairs in a room last year. <laughs> That's how he gets you. I was like, "Why am I doing this?" And I was like, eh, "It's Bo and it's Dragon Con. It's time to unstack some chairs." <laughs> well, I, I, I got I to say, my my team, slams. yeah, my my team is phenomenal. I I probably have you know one of the best teams at, at Dragon Con. You know, I can't speak for the other track directors, but. Um, I can speak for for my team and and they you know over you know we're still a relatively new track you know by comparison um but our team is really gelled and and you know and and I'd I'd like to think that it was my natural charisma but the people that are in my track really are amazing and and, and care and, and really want to make a great experience for everybody but we can talk about that later. Yeah, we will talk about that later. Um all right, Crispy, you ended up how did you end up interviewing people because i feel like and and look when i talk about dragon con i'm speaking from a place of love and warmth and also of slight alcohol infused confusion all the years run together when i wake up in the morning like i have these weird mishmashes of seeing the late show mashed up with the weird shit that they play on dc tv at two o'clock on sunday morning with like I, it, it placing things maybe I'm not the best at, but I feel like the interviews have only started happening in the last few years. How How is that correct, and how did that come about? So that is not correct, but it's a perfect observation. So <laughs> we, Brian used to do the interviews. Like, Brian used to be the face, and then I would be his camera guy, and, and it began, we would just go to, up, and this, again, the show was smaller at the time. We would just go up to a Walk of Fame table, and be like, hey, you want to do an interview for Dragon Con? Like, we're actually Dragon Con. We're the only ones that can do this. And that, uh, me being the uber media geek that I am, I I, I would be the, the bug in his ear. Like, we, we'd walk up to a person, all right, this person's been an XYZ. They love uh, ABC. Didn't have that information. And then uh, as videography was born, Brian's uh, time became more rare. And so we had to delegate things. And so I was like, you know what? Screw it. I know what I'm doing for interviews. Give me a camera. Let's going to go. And so this is, again, back on the Walk of Fame. So the very first interview I ever did on my own was a gentleman by the name of David H. Lawrence. And you might remember him. He was on Heroes in the second season uh, in that season that we just don't talk about. Maybe he's more of the first <laughs> season. I actually, yeah, I, I want to say he was more in the first season of Heroes. Uh, or No, I'm, I'm looking right now. I'm looking right now. I'm verifying. Anyways, on Heroes, David H. Lawrence, super nice guy, or, like uber geek as well. And it wasn't so much of an interview. It was, hey, here's just two guys having a conversation about geeky things and how he likes to do Farmville on Facebook. Let's let's talk about that. Let's have a conversation. And I, at that point, you know, it was actually really good. People responded well to it. And so I just took it over the following year. And so I started building up a rapport. Like I would be the one, even like when Brian was doing interviews, I was being the one personally dealing with the agents, going like, "Hey, you know, it's me again. We want to do an interview, scheduling things, and go on." And so once that once that tipping point happened, it became my show to run with, uh, with Brian's blessing. And Brian would still occasionally do pre scheduled interviews that I had set up, like a Billy D. Williams interview that will never see the light of day, for example. Oh we my! Have, we not all interviews go well. Not all interviews Ooh. are interviews, <laughs> um, and that's one that uh, will never see the light of day. But not not to say it was bad for Billy D. It's just that some people they're just like, yeah, I'll talk to you, and then they just don't want to say anything. 
right, don't want to have a right. conversation. And so it just it doesn't it, it wouldn't do anybody any good to air stuff like that. Well, and it happens though because I've yeah. I've been to panels uh, that I was and, and this is this is not and I'm not going to name any names. I, this is not denigrating anybody because I'll tell you right now there are times even at Dragon Con where you could catch me and I would be a surly prick. No doubt. And I've been to panels I was super excited about and got in there, sat down like, all right, I'm ready for some cool questions about season two and let's find out about that car and let's see what these guys have to say. And they're just like, uh, yeah, yeah, I like that episode. Uh, like it, it happens. And, and you know what? These, you know, the guests are there for, you know, well, not all of them are there for, for four days, but. They're there. They're giving their time. They're doing their thing. And I, I, you know, I I don't want to get into money or anything like that. But they kind of have to maintain their persona for a long time over the weekend to a lot of people. Last year is either last year or the year before. I can't remember. It was the first year she was a guest. Uh, I went into the Walk of Fame, and CCH Pounder was at the first table in the middle of the room. Oh, wow. I am a huge fan of hers. She will always be Amanda Waller. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just love her. I love her to the point where I walked in and I was like, no, nobody was at her table at that moment. That would change over the rest of the weekend. But at that time, there was nobody there. So I was like, oh, my gosh. I had to go talk to her. And we ended up chatting for a little bit. And she had ne- not only had she never been to Dragon Con, she had never been to anything like Dragon Con. Mm-hmm. She was totally overwhelmed. She had no idea that it would be that volume of people. She she said that when the door because this was Friday, she said when the doors open Friday morning, she kind of wanted to run out of the room <laughs> because she's sitting there facing the doors. She's, so, she's on the front line. Yes. Yeah. So you can imagine, uh, you know, Friday morning Walk of Fame. There are hundreds of people lined up waiting to get in at 10 a.m. or, or whenever it opens. Uh, it might be one. I don't know. But when, whenever it opens, there's a line. And you can imagine this this lady who they don't always get – if they haven't been to Dragon Con before, they don't necessarily get a lot of prep work. You're mm, going to yeah. a con, but I don't think anybody sits them down and says, look – it's really hard to, and right. and, that, and that's 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 honestly a common comment, an observation that she had that I've had from a number of guests. Because uh, you know, now that I talk to them, I like to get a lot of first year people if I can. Yeah, it's always like, holy crap, this is overwhelming, right. and it's not. It's never usually like a like a bad, yeah, yeah. kind of overwhelming. Right. It's just, just like, okay, so this is a lot bigger than I thought it was <laughs> right. going to be. Right. Holy mm-hmm. crap. What's going on over there? I thought it was oh, about dragons. Thing. Oh god, <laughs> these things are crazy. What's going on here? Uh, there was a, a girl I interviewed the um, the first year we started doing interviews in the loft, which is probably when you first started noticing. Hey, look, they're doing interviews. Right, right. Uh, and, and so to, to quickly uh, to do a sidetrack before we go back to history, her name was Claire Coffee. Her name is Claire Coffee. She is uh, on a show. Oh, brain. Is now working tonight. See, this is what I get, guys, when I'm not drinking. <laughs> That's not exactly true. Give me just one second to look this up for you guys. Yeah, uh, Grim. How can I forget Grim? Oh, I sure, sure. She was the Hexen Beast on Grim. Yeah. Uh, she had a huge role. She had never been to a convention before. And so uh, you can actually find the interview online with me and Claire. And at first I was like, you know, I don't know how I feel because this is new to her. But, you know, screw it. I'll do the interview because it's the right thing to do. 
hopefully it'll be a good time. It was a blast because this is the first year uh, that we did interviews in the loft overlooking the main floor. And behind us, John Barrowman has a huge line of people lining up for a panel because it's we do our interviews on Friday. And like in the middle of the panel, she's just like, I I just kind of want to go get in that line. I, I want to go see John Barrowman. And everything's like, like, it's that kind of overwhelming. Like, like Maddie Bennett uh, would show up and he would just be like, wow, look at this hotel. And like before the interview, be like, I'm just taking all these pictures. We'll talk in a minute. It, it's, it's really cool to see these people who have lived their career on extravagant sets and in extravagant work scenarios that, mm-hmm. that would be extravagant to us. They live a fantasy life right. that is obviously work for them. But to come to our convention, to come to Dragon and still have that wow factor, I, I think yeah. that speaks miles for our convention. Yes. That was one of my favorite moments from any of my Dragon Cons was when I was just hanging out with Michael Frith two years ago, who's the guy who oh my um, God, Michael. designed the, he created Fraggle Rock yes. basically and used to work with Dr. Seuss. It was like him and Dr. Seuss in an office together. Like the guy has this insane career. Oh my God. And, and we were just sitting there and he was, and he was just looking around. And he was like, wow, there's just an, an amazing amount of creativity walking around here. Just like looking around, just like looking at the costumes, you know, and just looking at like how happy and excited everybody was to be there, you know, combined with that level of, of creativity and craftsmanship. And that's something I always tell my, the puppet guests. I'm like, you will see something that impresses you in this place. Yeah. You know, like this place, there is a lot going on, uh, that as an artist, I think you will, you will latch onto and, 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 and respect. You know, well, more more so than any event or gathering or whatever that I've ever been to. Dragon Con is so much. These are our people. The, the yeah. People's Convention, as I like to call it. Uh, yes, the coin return from the rock. I'm like, this is the People's Con, and it's yeah. and, and it's so inclusive. It's not. It's not just you know. These are our role-playing people or these are our horror geek people it's we all have big passionate boners for very specific genres but we all dig that even if you know even if you're a D guy i'm looking at your costume and like that's freaking cool and mm-hmm. and like everybody's just like it's it's a big love fest for mm-hmm. all manner yeah, of for five for yeah. five days, we're all geek brothers and sisters. Yes. You know. You're going to have a couple of bad apples, but that's going to be true with any collection of 60-plus thousand people. But even with those few negative types, they don't cast a shadow over the brilliance that you see everywhere else. It is, it is such a welcoming space. I've, I've got a friend of mine. She suffers from anxiety in the sense that she doesn't like large crowds of people. And I can completely understand that. Uh, when she was speaking with uh, a therapist and they're like, all right, so I want you to imagine a place where you feel comfortable and you feel safe. Where is that? And she's like, you're going to laugh, but it's dragon con. Yeah. And it's just because of how welcoming that is. Yeah. And, and it is, and, and you're right. There are, you know, whether it be experiences or momentary, you know, occurrences like in the crowds or just being overwhelmed or whatever, there, there will be, you know, very brief moments of, oh, what? Yeah. But it, they will almost immediately be overwhelmed by joy of, mm-hmm. of things. Last year, I was walking through the Marriott, 
and I, I don't even remember what it was, but something had, had kind of bummed me out a little bit. I, I don't know what, what it was exactly, but I got across the Marriott, and on the back side, toward, which I define as the side towards the Hilton. Yeah, yeah that makes uh, sense. That is, that is, you are correct. That is the back side. Yes. There were these, and, and boy, do I not want to use this phrase, but there were young people, <laughs> and <laughs> they, they had a large, flat piece of wood, and they were tap dancing to science fiction theme songs like versions of theme songs, just tap dancing. They weren't guests. They weren't one of the performers. They were just some kids, and I found this out later, and and I wish I could remember the name of the troupe right now, but there were some kids who had driven up from Florida, and they do this. This is their thing. And they just laid out their, their piece of wood and started tap dancing in front of everybody. And it just... It it lit like my heart grew three sizes, it, it, whatever. I was just like, wow, you know, screw being in any kind of bad mood ever here. That's dumb because they're kids tap dancing and being awesome just because they want to. Yeah, and 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 that it's because they feel like they're in a safe place. Yes, and, yeah. that, and that's and that's one thing that Dragon Con is big on, like. While I am a face of Dragon Con, I obviously am quite visibly a, a focal point of the convention. I don't actually work for the convention, but I will say I represent the convention. And so I say when I say that, when I say like we at Dragon Con, I obviously am not working for Dragon Con. This is just me, the passionate fan who also happens to do interviews. Dragon Con really, really pushes hard to make sure everybody feels like they've got a place here. And I have done a number of other conventions in the southeast and it's 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 easy as nerds to take you know to take the low joke to take the cheap jokes because that's what kind of we grew up with we got used to being picked on those are the kind of jokes and so we kind of tend there was a a a period of time where even on dragon con tv we took a couple of low blows and in retrospect we're like yeah that wasn't cool of us we really want to make everyone comfortable here and so like dragon con tv has really been leading in my opinion, leading the way with the bumpers. Like, hey, like, cosplay is not consent. Uh, And other just really important messages that's like, hey, you're here for funny, you're here for a good time, but don't forget other people are here too. Right. You gotta respect these people so we can all continue to have a good time. And and that is a massive portion of it, is just, just be respectful. You know, if something's going on, that you're not into or you don't dig, find something else. Yeah. Don't don't sit around. Dragon is big enough for everybody. Yeah. There's almost at least once, if not five, <laughs> always at least once, if not five times a year at Dragon Con where I, I mean, I'm a crier. I'll, I'll just go ahead and put that out there. Mm. But that I openly weep at the beauty that is Dragon Con. Yes. I will see a moment or I will have an experience and it just touches me in my Dragon Con place and I I just cry there. I mean, there are moments when I'm up on the balcony and I'm overlooking downtown. It's the only time I ever see Atlanta from, you know, this actual up, you know, up high. Um, Or I, you know, or I'm looking down on the floor of the Marriott or, you know, some beautiful little moment happens in the gaming room that is so just those little Dragon Con moments that just endear it to you so much. Um, I, I have at least one of those every year. Oh, I'm I am not a 
like a tabletop gamer or a role-playing gamer or, or anything along those lines. I haven't been since I was in high school. Uh, but every year I make a point of walking through the gaming room mm-hmm. because it just makes me deliriously happy to I'm see... I'm there every night. Yeah, I try, I try to stop by every night. I'm a gamer. I go by every night. To, to, when I'm, done, when I'm done with I'm everything else, that's where I go. To, well, yeah. just to see... All of those vastly different people in that oh, one place, so happy, having so much yeah. fun to see, you know, whether it's just that that place is one of the hearts of Dragon Con. And it's funny that you mentioned that uh, because it's yeah. moving. Not this year, uh, but next year. It almost moved this year. It almost moved this year, but they were smart because people booked their hotel rooms based on where uh, they right, are. Right. So next year it will be in a different location. Uh, I'm not going to speak on behalf of the convention, but I imagine that they would probably move to the America's Mart where the dealer room used to be, because the, the, the deal the dealer room is also is moving this year to one right. block away to the bigger America's Mart space where it used to be many 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 years ago. Yeah, uh, but it'll be a better move because they've proven that hey, we can move the dealer room and people will go to it. So let's let's put it. In, it's going to be in a better space, but it's going to be a block further away. So I would like I would like to think. That's uh, uh, and, and Bo and I have had this conversation many, many times, like offline. It's like that. It's got to be somewhere where people can just walk into it. It needs to it's gotta be. be it, it's it has, it has two requirements. It's got to be somewhere you can just get to easily, and B, it's got to be twenty four hours. Yeah, if people live in that room, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. Dragon Con. It's not Dragon Con if, if if the gaming room closes. Yeah, absolutely. That well, it and that's when I go. That's when I go. Is like two exactly. in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. That's the best time to go. It's nice and cold. There's lots of tables. And even even at its peak hours, uh, I had a conversation with another friend of mine who's a, who's a fellow gamer and a friend. Even at its peak hours, that game room never feels like it's crowded. Yeah. And it could be completely filled. It could be completely full of people. But there's just something about that space. Yeah. That's, that's, well, that's very... you know, I was I didn't like it when it moved to the Hilton, frankly, when it was because, you know, I was I'm back in back when it was back in the basement of the Hyatt. Oh, I remember those. And, that's where I first started. Yeah. And and there was something about coming down that row of stairs where you would come in up at that top of that stair, you know, those stairs. So you could look across and it was a high ceilings. Mm-hmm. So the, you, you could look across the sea of tables of people gaming, which is not an experience you get in the Hilton where it's, you know, low ceilings and it's real sort of like, you know, it's more like a basement. I, I and, kind of like the low ceilings though, because it, I've come to appreciate it, it, adds it but there was something an about looking over it. it. Yeah. But there was something about being able to 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 take it all in, right? To be able to stand up at the top of that stairwell yeah, and just be yeah. like, "Yeah, look at all these people, man! Yeah, look at all these people just having so much fun together." You that's know? actually that's, that that experience that Bo's describing is what got me back into board gaming back in two thousand two. I was taking a break from doing, I think, the Jefferson Airplane Show, or at the time it was Jefferson Starship. That was my first year. And I, co- and I come down the, the sta- stairs, and I'm like, what the hell is this? Look, these are all these board games? I love board games. I didn't realize people loved board games again. And so I went down there. I played a little game that uh, at the time wasn't very well known. You might, it's called Settlers of Catan. Kind of a big thing now. And I, I just said, yeah, it was it just it, it, it revitalized. And so um, and now I've got a filthy, filthy addiction of buying <laughs> games. And I'm not that's not even a joke. That's the truth. Like. Gen Con was this past, past weekend, so Amazon had a board game sale. 50% off on certain board games. 
Uh, that Monday, I had four board games on my doorstep. So uh, I've got a problem, but you know what? It's a fun problem, and I invite other people over to join me in that problem. And it's and it's because of that moment that Bo described. I had that exact same moment that got me back in that hobby. That's thank great. you, Dragon Con, for me being broke. Right. Yeah. Well, I I I think to a certain extent we can all say that every yeah, year. Yeah. Um. All right. I, I want before we wrap it up. Uh, I just want you to, are there any interviews that kind of stand out in your mind as particularly fun, uh, unique experiences, things that were just like, wow, that, that just happened type of things. <laughs> so I've got, I've got three experiences, but, uh, two experiences, but three separate, uh, interviews. So literally, uh, that just happened mentality was this, the James Gunn thing. And you can find the video online. Uh, it's one of those things like, I literally worked on that for three months before the convention. The, the moment they announced James Gunn, I, I have a connection. And I started arranging that and started making it happen. Like We, we knew he was going to be... He'd, he'd, they just scheduled him unofficially because he was a surprise with the photo shoot. Right. And I had worked it out with, with, with Marvel and people behind the scenes to go there and do this thing. And so to see that moment happen... And were these people uh, a quick props to the cosplayers that go out and do these photo shoots? Uh, and Alan used to run these and he doesn't anymore. They call that space the broiler for a reason. And so I'm yeah, just out there in a t-shirt. Time. It is Matt, crazy. These dedicated fans are out there in full on uh, cost- costumes. Uh, Mark Mir, who is a uh, voice of uh, Commander Shepard, big improv guy, tiny plastic you, man. Uh, you, you can would... find the puppetry track as well because he is a big friend of the puppetry track. Bingo. See, shameless plug. I do them. I learned it from watching McFoley. <laughs> uh, he, he's there just as Super Scroll. And like full art, full outfit, people are just massive costumes. And, and it's just hot. And I'm in a, I feel like the biggest wuss in a t shirt and shorts going, this is miserable. <laughs> James Gunn better get here soon. And, but but the minute like he shows up, the energy's there again. Everyone's excited, and it's this nice thrilling moment of just pure improv fun. And you know, James thanked me afterwards, like man, that was really awesome. Never expected anything like that to happen. It was kind of like a good send off. Like I, my goal was like, here's a thank you from the fans to you. Yeah, like yeah. like we we thank you for being a part of this. Um, so that was like a fun moment, and that for like while that was fun personally for me, like that was a huge moment for everyone there. And I love to kind of oh, be yeah. a facilitator in that. But my personal moments, uh, and Bo kind of dipped on this earlier, uh, is when we had the Fraggles and Michael Frith. Uh, I got to be the only person in all of Atlanta to interview the Fraggles. And I wasn't even actually supposed to talk to the Fraggles. The Fraggles, they, the, they were just told, hey, the Fraggles aren't going to speak. But if you know the performers, and again, I keep saying this a lot, Bo can attest to this. They're not going to not talk. And yeah. so there was a moment, and it was only a few words, but I'm like, holy shit, I'm talking to Fraggles. And I'm <laughs> like, like, I'm getting emotional right now, yeah. just even just <laughs> talking about it. And That year was like, so good. I, I regained my composure, I regained my cool, and then afterwards I could just have a nice, quiet, just sit-down conversation interview with Michael Frith. And it was just like, just bam, bam, back to back. And it was just like, just fucking amazing moment. And then as I'm walking out of the, the space where we were doing this, and Bo, Bo and their handlers are walking them out. They're, they are done. They're at the end of the convention. I'm walking away, and that's when it hits me. Like, just a giant sack of bricks of emotions. Like, I just got to interview my childhood. Yeah. And I had to, I, like, I was basically running back to our hidden office downstairs in the basement. 
I just, like like I'm, I was losing it. Like tears were flowing. I just couldn't control myself, and I didn't you know want to necessarily make, make people go. Oh, are you okay? Because I was fine. I was just sure you just yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah, so, yeah. and so I and so I, and so I get to my office space and someone asks me that and they see me crying and they're like, "Holy shit, Chris, are you are you okay?" And one of my good friends is on staff. Uh, her name's Nancy, and she has known me for a while. She was actually partly responsible for me getting the Randall puppet that I love, the Fraggle puppet, and things like that. And she's just like, "Wait, you just interviewed the Fraggles, didn't you?" And I couldn't say anything. She's, <laughs> and she's just like, "He's fine, but he just lived a childhood dream." Yeah, and. Bo had a huge part in that, and DragonCon had everything to do with that. And DragonCon, seriously, did. they bent over. Yeah. They did. Uh, yeah, I can talk about that later. But they they are so supportive of the puppetry track, and um, there was there was. I will I will agree with Crispy. There was a there was an awful lot of crying that year. <laughs> oh God, it was it was beautiful. Awful lot of happy crying. Yeah. Well, and we'll we'll certainly talk about this in the puppetry episode. But I mean, the, there is something uh, so visceral about puppetry that that I think it's it's a little easier to access your core than a lot of other mediums. Mm-hmm. It, it it's just it's it's and something like we, we talk about like the whole Star Wars, you know, Lucas to JJ Abrams. It's the the practicality of the creation. It's like there's a physical thing there in my face. Yeah. Whether I'm watching it on screen or talking to it in person. That thing's there. I, I emotionally and spiritually connect with this thing. It's not just some kind of animation. Which sure, like I'm not I'm not saying that as a means to downplay people who have huge connections with other fictional characters. That's not the case. But I'm describing what makes puppeteers a puppet different in that it's like this is tangible. Well, and, it, and it, it is, and it's huge in that regard. I'll never come face to face with you know Cobra Commander or Optimus Prime. You not, might not I mean, in Dragon, Dragon right, Con, right? Not it, not in their the for the right, traditional form that I grew up with, right? But we can meet Moki and Red and Big Bird and uh, all uh, of that in person. Like uh, it's it's just there. You're right. There is something. Well, I wish there. we could meet Big Bird in person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not the, the Big Bird well, this year. Um. All right, crispy. Uh, is there anything this year that you want to put over before we wrap it up? Uh, it, man, it's just gonna be a big year. I mean, uh, I've heard people say, and I've been guilty of this a couple of times. Like, wow, this guest, lean, guest list seems really weird, and whatever. And it's like, and, but no, it's it, the guests are secondary to the convention experience. Yes, yeah. The, the, um, again, the guests are super important. Without the guests, we wouldn't have a convention. But more importantly, and the guests have told me this time and time again, without the fans, we wouldn't have a convention. And we're gonna have sixty-two plus thousand fans there in uh, in a couple of weeks. Sixty-five. That, well, that's estimate. Last year we had sixty-two. Yeah. So I'm just going to roll with that. If we if we break if we do not break 65, I'll be impressed. But we're going to have thousands, 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 thousands of people all crammed into downtown Atlanta for just a pure celebration. And if it wasn't for those attendees, the people listening to the show, the people that go to this convention, none of this is going would be possible. Like I wouldn't be talking to you. Excuse me, uh, Bo wouldn't be able to have. Right. This this presentation. And it's really important for me on behalf of the convention to thank the fans for really making it what it is. It, it is a fan run convention for the fans that happens to have famous people. Yeah. And it's it's spectacular in that regard. So I I think this year it, it might be it might seem a little underplayed, but you know what? It it's a great year. The parade's gonna be live again. There's gonna be a new event actually at the um uh at the aquarium. We're actually doing a a, a cosplay contest at the aquarium. 
We're finding new ways to celebrate cosplay this year. And you know what? I I, I think people are, by the time it's over, they're all going to be like, that was a hell of a good year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're, you are going to have as much fun at Dragon Con as you want to have. And, and that is so true. That is something I've said almost verbatim for years. It's like, what, you make so, it? It, precisely. And Bo pointed out earlier, if you, if you're in an area that you don't like, go somewhere else. Not because you're not welcome in that huge. group, but because huge. there is something for everyone. Yeah. You're into the goth industrial scene. Guess what? You've got a huge following. You're into the furry scene. You've got a huge corner. Everyone's welcome. And I encourage everyone to find a way there. I know some people are getting overwhelmed at the size and I can totally relate. And I can totally understand. Uh, everything evolves. This convention's evolving. And I would like to think that the convention is evolving in all the best ways possible right now. Well, Crispy, thank you so much for coming on, talking about Dragon Con, talking about your role in Dragon Con, which we certainly all appreciate uh, seeing Dragon Con TV and and knowing uh, you're. I mean, you're one of the friendly faces of Dragon Con. There's no way around that. You're you're one of the guys that when we're in the hotel room, cooling out for a little bit, we see Crispy on TV and we're like, man, this is Dragon Con. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that, but thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on again, so man. What we don't want to do is encourage people to take a shot in their hotel room every time you see Crispy on television. Apparently, that would—that's a terrible game. I've heard. I've actually that's heard a terrible that. game. That's a terrible game. <laughs> that would be really irresponsible for us to suggest. <laughs> Not uh, that we would condone behaviors. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And and I certainly won't have any sort of point system posted along with Absolutely this for such a game. Not. And if you do, certainly don't tell me about it so I can retweet it out. That's not a thing at all. Absolutely at not. At Jim on Twitter. So There you go. That's uh, that's it. Thank you, Crispy. Thank you, Bo. Uh, we'll see you guys at Dragon Con. All right. Thanks, Matt. See you guys in a couple of weeks. Thanks, guys. And that's all the show for today. That was great. Crispy's awesome. Bo's awesome. I, honestly, I would love to just hang out with those guys all Dragon Con and just drink Rooster Booster with vodka. I, probably not the Rooster Booster part. Uh, but they're so busy, it's not going to happen. I will be happy to see either of them uh, more than once. I would be happy to see you guys several times. Seriously. Uh, find me, say hi. I'll be in the Classics Track Room a lot. Uh, I will be announcing DCW Friday night, 7 p.m. I'll, I'll highlight it maybe next time. Uh, Friday night, 7 p.m. in the Hyatt Centennial Ballroom. DCW, the best wrestling show you will see all year long. I personally guarantee it. Uh, what else? What else? What else? You can find the Needless Things podcast on iTunes and Stitcher as well as at needlessthingssite.com. And we're a proud part of the ESO Network, who will also uh, have quite a presence at Dragon Con. Uh, Mike Faber, Mike Gordon, Bobby Nash, all on panels, uh, as well as the massive, huge cast of the ESO Network. Everybody involved with that. Uh, and, and a lot of those guys will be on the Classics Track panels as well. Wow. It's, it's right around the corner, you guys. Uh, I need to announce the meetup soon. Uh, you know what? I'll go ahead and say right here, 8 p.m. on Sunday. I don't know where yet. Join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group, and you will find out that and more. Uh, I am headed up to North Carolina for a couple of days uh, to take care of some some family stuff. Uh, no, just seeing the family again. 
and I will be back next week with more podcasting. I love you guys. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.